0: Welcome to a new Media Week podcast. It's a new year. We're talking TV. Andrew Macario, welcome to 2020.
1: Hi, James. Happy New Year.
0: Yeah, likewise. Um, February, gee whiz, year's <laughs> gone away from us already. Oh. But um, so look, there's plenty, there's plenty going on in the TV world. We it didn't really stop. I mean, I'm a celebrity to get me out of here. January five, uh, both the Today Show and Sunrise. January six, new hosts at Today, of course. Uh, Koshi and Sam back early as well, just in case uh, some of their faithful wanted to sample what was on the other network. And it's been sort of non-stop, hasn't it? celebrities already finished. We're into Survivor and uh, MKR's launched, um, Maths has launched and it's on for young and old.
1: And, of course, as the backdrop to all of that was the bushfire crisis. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when I'm a Celebrity came back, they had to open the show and sort of say, look, we know that things are terrible in Australia and this is probably uh, the most inappropriate thing to be doing right now, but maybe we need a bit of a laugh. And, you know, in that respect, the fact that they were the only show kind of offering an alternative like that and a completely leave your brain at the door... I think, really helped them. But, I mean, you had all these shows having to acknowledge what was going on uh, with catastrophic conditions, you know. The, the, that that bushfire has been framing everything that summer TV has done. Um,
0: Miguel, of course, one, uh, I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here, a 10 personality. Yep. And... um And 10 matched all the money that was raised for each contestant's charity was matched by Channel 10 with um, those funds going to the uh, Bushfire Appeal.
1: Yeah, look, I struggled with I'm a Celebrity this year. You know, I've always watched it, every series, but...
0: What did you think of the
1: cast? I just didn't think the cast were that great. Mm. I can't help but feel now that casting for 10s celebrity reality shows needs to be separated. It feels to me like the really great finds have gone to Dancing with the Stars, which has an absolutely excellent cast when it comes back. And it felt to me like the people that went on I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here were celebrities in inverted commas that had probably been rejected by a lot of other shows. Uh, It just... That casting just didn't uh, do it for me.
0: I didn't think it was too bad a cast until one particular point in the show, and that's when Perez Hilton showed up. I've just really never gotten into his whole online thing, his manner, what he does. I mean, he might have changed now. We think he probably has. But back in the early days, I just thought he was nasty and unnecessary, and I've never really taken much of an interest, and I just, you know... I couldn't uh, watch it. But otherwise, you know. Mm. And,
1: and also Perez came with a background of doing celebrity reality shows in the UK okay. where he was a troublemaker, he attacked people, he, you know. So they were putting him into, you know, be the cat amongst the pigeons. But I'm with you, James. As soon as they heard he was coming, I was like, I'm definitely not watching that. No yeah. interest.
0: Yeah. You mentioned the bushfires, of course, and I got a feeling in our last or last couple last year we commended the ABC yeah particularly ABC News for the work they're doing and I'd like to say that again I'm guessing you probably do too Jim. yeah what a great job they did you know it was um must see TV to find out what was going on all the time you know and I've said before the commercial broadcasters do a fantastic job packaging up big stories at 6 pm but ABC News just does rolling coverage like no one else and I you know, Sky News I think chose not to do it because I think maybe they just didn't have the resources. They couldn't be there all the time. But ABC News just threw everything at it, and gee whiz, what a what a great job!
1: Well, look, you know, even when today and Sunrise came back with their hosts, uh, even then at nine a.m. they would go off the air, and it would be the slot would be filled with a repeat of the morning show. You know, so you had to switch over to ABC News 24 to get what was, role, a, you know, a breaking mm. story all day, every day, catastrophic conditions. Um, really quickly about Carl on today, yes. I'll say this from, from that first day he came back on the Saturday, it was like he'd never been away, James. Mm. Honestly, he just went into that seat, just picked up where he left off and I think it was on the Monday I saw them do an interview with Shane Warne, a very serious interview because Warne was, uh, you know, auctioning off his cap to raise money for bushfire funds. But at the end of the interview, the conversation turned into what was basically sledging Carl about <laughs> his weight. And I couldn't help but notice that this the new team, uh, all five of them that were there were absolutely belly laughing and Carl was letting him sit be the subject of their ridicule and I thought, you know, that really bodes well to the future. Here's a show where we saw that there was a, a team that didn't have chemistry but to see three people really killing themselves laughing and enjoying each other's company I think is a, a positive sign for today.
0: Have you seen the Hannibal Lecter Promo? No,
1: I heard, I've, I, <laughs> I, I, I know it's out there, I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. Is that making fun of his weight? Um, No, right. it's making fun of him though. Right.
0: Yes. See, he's
1: right uh, up for that.
0: He is. Yeah. He is. I'm not sure if that's if that's the right way to go. I mean, cause a lot of people obviously like, I mean, by comparison, Sunrise is pretty straight, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Koshi's not the, the gagmeister, you know, doing gags all morning. Either Carl, but he just does, I think, a lot more of that and I think people appreciate that. A lot of people just dip in and out of Breakfast TV. Yeah. And you just,
1: I think people prefer a straight, you know,
0: what's going on with a little bit of humour.
1: But no matter how good Today and Sunrise were in the mornings dealing with that crisis, you know, ABC there going all day long and the fact that they had some big heavy-hitting hosts that were doing it. We had Michael Rowland on the ground at the mm. South Coast. Yep. It looked to me like he'd come back from holidays early. Hamish <laughs> MacDonald, you know, was evacuated into the showground at Bega. He put his hand up straight away. So we saw some great stuff. And, and one of the other things I want to mention is, you know, amongst all the great work, what a fantastic job. Uh, the replacement team did on uh, the ABC Breakfast. Paul Kennedy in particular has received a lot of coverage for the fact that the sports guy uh, took a personal interest in the sports rorts story and he... Uh, interviewed some of those politicians in a way that I found very encouraging, which was instead of asking them a question and instead of them just going off on their little PR spin for the next three minutes without answering the questions, PK kept saying, that's untrue, Minister, that is (laughs) untrue. And he called out a few of them uh, in the lead-up to that sports rorts. And and I think we need that now uh, with the way uh, things are going.
0: Yeah, he did. He did a great job. And he also hosted a uh, summer series of The Offsiders on Sunday morning. So, yeah, it was, um, it was a great effort there. Um, and just quickly on that today promo, the Hannibal Lecter one. I mean, like it or love it, if it gets people talking about the show, which it's already done to a certain extent, that's going to help. If the show's ratings go up, they'll, they'll call it a masterstroke. If they don't or go down, they'll say, wow, what a bad decision.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So um, before we leave this yes. topic, um, I also want to say that I found it particularly disgraceful this year that we got that very predictable story from the Murdoch press in The Australian after the New Year's Eve coverage. You know, they sit there watching, waiting for something to go wrong so that they can lead the attack on New Year's Day and it was the fact that Finger gave... The, Tex Perkins, (laughs) sorry. Tex Perkins gave the finger to Kirribilli House as he introduced his own song, The Honeymoon Is Over, and they turned that into, look at this, here's the ABC again, you know, deliberately uh, broadcasting anarchy, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, through that first week of January when the bushfires were at their absolute worst, when people were stranded in thousands at showgrounds with no power and no Wi-Fi and the only way they were getting information was via ABC local radio through their cars... And does any of that appear in The Australian? No. They're still publishing hit pieces on some guy that nobody's ever heard of saying their news is a disaster. It's like, are you guys for real? You can't even stop this culture war when it's the ABC doing, I think, something like 900 emergency broadcasts since these bushfires beginning. But as far as the Australian's concerned, let's go after them like it's business as usual. The Australians should be ashamed of themselves after this summer, in my opinion. I know you're big on this, aren't
0: you? The um, One of the comments was a comment from uh, Michael Miller, the CEO of News Corp Australia, saying, look, we have a broad range of opinion and um, we'll be making sure we do that. And um, just last weekend, there was a column, I can't remember who it was, but by someone who's a who's been, you know, talking about climate change for quite a while, he wrote a piece for The Australian, said he was quite surprised to get the call up. But um, Laurie Oakes came out and said, oh, have we got James Murdoch to thank for this? You know, seems to be some sort of um, changing of... um, editorial policy, just in that they might start having a broader range of opinions, which I think would be a good thing.
1: I think it'd be really helpful.
0: Ironically, I think a lot of the Australians' readers are actually ABC listeners. Yeah. Because the, you look at the Weekend Australian, it's, a lot of the content is very ABC, sort of arts, all that coverage. Absolutely. That's a big deal. So, you know, there's there's, there's a bit of a disconnect on weekdays. They sort of smash it a bit, but then on on weekends I think they're really playing to that ABC audience.
1: Well, you know, that uh, Weekend Arts review they do is very, very good and I think you're absolutely absolutely right with that. But I think uh, their online presence during the bushfire, as highlighted on Media Watch, the fact that they ran a story that said 180 people arrested for arson that got retweeted all over the world and you had to read through the story and buried within was the fact that only 24 were arrested for arson. The rest were, you know, arrested for throwing cigarette butts out the window. To be deliberately fanning misinformation and sending it around the world and they've done it again since. They did a headline that said, tourism down due to Uluru rock closure read the actual story, <laughs> and Uluru figures are only down 10%. Mm. Of course it's the bushfire that's fanning tourism, but the Australian just loves to kind of make out that Indigenous people closing down Uluru is contributing to our terrible tourism problem, which is such a, an, an awful thing to make out when we all know why tourism's going to be down in 2020.
0: And then again, the Australian does a lot of good work with Indigenous communities and they highlight a lot of... Um, good stories but uh, again there's that disconnect between some of their sort of news content which does at times seem sort of do following a directive and I'm not sure it is I think I, I think people just decide to write stuff I don't know what's the people they hire or whatever but then at other times it's sort of you know very open to, to other ideas anyway look let's talk about some more TV now has it been a bit of a Netflix summer for you on yeah massive. I gather
1: I yeah I I've always said that I really disapprove of people who say, I watch nothing but Netflix. I think how narrow is your world? (laughs) But I've got to say to you, James, every time this summer where I thought I need to have some entertainment, what can I watch? And I started looking around. Netflix delivered again and again and again and again. New series dropping every other week. If not every week, returning series like every literally every time I logged <laughs> mm. on to Netflix, there would be some new series to watch. I just thought it was unbelievable how much content they had over uh, our summer period, which of course is winter in the northern hemisphere.
0: I mean, look, they've really ramped it up, haven't they? I mean if uh, there was a time there was too uh, too American for me, but there's a lot more international content, yeah. a lot more European. Um, A lot more particularly British stuff, which I really like. And we're not even talking about the movies. I mean, look at the movie content, you know. Yeah. One really good sort of, not art house, but one seriously good movie probably every week.
1: Yeah, amazing. Although it feels to me like they are doing what uh, cinema owners, the way that the cinema distribution chain works, which is getting those movies that they'd like to be considered for Academy Award and award nomination, they come out towards uh, the end of December, you know, when people are actually talking and sending in their nomination. So they're playing the game yeah. but, you know, they did that double whammy of uh, Marriage Story and The Irishman and now they've got uncut gems in there that, you know, people saying features some pretty incredible performances there. I've seen all those movies except for Uncut Gems and I also loved Eddie Murphy in Dolomite Is My Name. Okay. Amazing, the soundtrack and, uh, yeah, some they've really been doing some amazing stuff.
0: Okay, so some of these shows, I mean, you told me we had a, quick chat the other day, you told me to get on The Stranger. I've been waiting for that. I'd actually forgotten about There was actually up now. Jennifer Saunders is going to attract a lot of people to that show. Yep. But uh, it looks pretty good. I've seen one episode.
1: Yeah, I'm up to about episode seven. Uh, she talked about it on the Graham Norton show on the weekend. Oh, okay. Uh, and then somebody said to me, I'm watching this new show called The Stranger. I went, oh, God, that's what I heard her talk about. <laughs> one episode, I was up till 2am in the morning. So, uh, yeah, look, I watched uh, Unbelievable, uh, which, uh, which I, it was the first thing I watched in summer when I had time. I wanted to catch up on that. And I watched uh, AJ and the Queen, Paul's uh, series, which wasn't fantastic, but it was, you know, okay. Mm-hmm. The, the doco too that everybody's talking about is a three-part Netflix called Don't Fuck With Cats.
0: Now, I've heard about this, but it just seems unlikely it's going to interest me, but
1: but this is the thing, James. Without <laughs> any plot spoilers, yeah. you have to watch it because there's a twist at the end. And I can't say what the no, twist no, okay. is, but okay. there's a twist in the end. And when you see the twist, you'll understand why people like you and me are being told you have to watch that show.
0: Okay. Okay. So, yeah, well, I'm definitely going to have to see it, see what all, all the fuss is about. Um, so yeah, Messiah, AJ and the Queen, the Stranger. Yep. Now there's a, a few other things now. There's more Sabrina. Yep. There's more um, Grace and Frankie. Yep. Um now Lost in Space is this this isn't a second seed, this is a new version no, version
1: This again, is or? series two oh, series of the two. new version that they Like a year ago or? Yeah. Okay. And it just kind of arrived with no, and I haven't had time to watch it yet. I really liked season one, mm. the reimagining of it. Uh, so, yeah, it's there.
0: We talked a little bit at the end of last year about Stan's programming plans across the summer. There was going to be uh, the Commons, the Gloaming, uh, True History of the Kelly Gang. I can't remember what order. Kelly Gang dropped Australia Day. Yep. The other two are, I think, uh, Boxing Day and New Year's
1: no, Day. No, the Commons was Christmas Day. Okay, and the gloaming was New Year's Day. I think. Got it. Ten, look, A plus ten out of ten for effort. The fact that Stan, we know we rely on them now to release Australian local content, and the fact that they did two big Australian mini series and then a movie. But look, they didn't really do that movie. That movie was being made, and somewhere along the line, they made the decision not to release it in cinemas. And put it on stand and when you see it, you'll understand why. (laughs) Uh, It's not great, Mm. the true history of the Kelly Gang. It's all style over substance. It's pretty much nonsensical. Um, The Gloaming, which was the uh, Hobart Noir creepy thriller set in Tasmania, the latest from uh, Vicky Madden who wrote The Kettering Incident. Had a lot of similarities
0: between the two, weren't there?
1: There were. Look, I... I liked it but I thought it was a little bit too long. You know, it was eight episodes and I think I would have been more happy if it had only gone for six. It felt to me when it was getting to six I was going, okay, where are we going? When it kept going I was like, really? Um, And, look, I haven't finished The Commons yet. I'm about maybe halfway through it, maybe three quarters of the way through it. Uh Uh, Look, in some ways the content of that was the timing was incredible. And in some ways the timing was terrible because here's a show about the effects of climate change, uh, but in every single scene set in Sydney, there were blue skies. And what we saw in summer was that that's not what uh, Sydney looks like. Well, with...
0: it's a bit, bit finicky. Come well,
1: on. look, I suppose this... I mean, they is... got
0: it right in in effect that, look, here's a... Back when they were thinking of this, that would have seemed very far-fetched, but hello, you look out your window going, wow, it's actually worse than they <laughs> predicted maybe.
1: Do you know what it needed? It maybe needed a bigger budget to to do that stuff because they got the stuff right about people being displaced and having to be in showgrounds, mm. but there'd be like 100 people there. Um, because they don't have that many extras. And then you switch over to ABC News 24. There's thousands of people at the Beager showground. This is what I mean. There was just a bit of a disconnect every now and then from this fictional drama going, look how bad it gets, to what was happening on the news where it was already worse. And I think that's just down to our budgetary and if that was a Netflix series that seemed to have unlimited budgets, look, at wait till you watch The Stranger on Netflix. You know, just constantly I'm being amazed by the locations and some of the stuff they do. They seem to have unlimited money and we know here in Australia we struggle always to compete with international dramas and uh, The Commons, hard in its right place but... It struggled for me. I've
0: got to say, I haven't seen The Callie Gang yet, but I did enjoy both The Gloaming and The Commons. Commons isn't normally a show I would probably watch. But I thought, look, I'll give it a try and I got into it and I just kept going back. Both have very good casts.
1: Yes. I mean, The
0: Gloaming, Emma Booth, Tick, Ewan Leslie, Martin Henderson, surprisingly. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty nasty, but yeah, we did it very well. Uh, Aaron Pedersen, great, but he wasn't really stretched in this, did he? No. He, he didn't. He just sort of looked walked around looking moody. He didn't have a lot of lines, but then again it just it lifted the whole thing, you know. But
1: how creepy was Rena Owen in it from Once for Warriors and oh, wow. back. Oh, I love that actress. She's so great and she was she was the standout in that show for me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, she did she did uh very well. And yeah, and it, was, it got quite spooky at times uh yeah. watching that show, but um they they did it very well. Um So what else has been on your, so that was sort of Stan. Yeah. What did you, what you've been taking in from Foxtel?
1: Um, Foxtel for me, the best thing that I saw on Foxtel was The Outsider, which is their new week by week drop HBO series starring Ben Mendelsohn. It's based on a Stephen King book. Okay. Which I haven't read. But I see all the elements of Stephen King there. There's these sort of tropes that he uses in every story. It's there but it's super creepy and, again, I, I love the week by week. You've got to wait, digest it, think about it. Um, I think they're up to episode four or five now and ratings in the US uh, are going up so that means good word of mouth. But, yeah, that's uh, been the standout for me. Yes. Yeah. Um
0: I haven't watched a lot of Foxtel, to be honest. Um, um, I can't remember the name now. Um, not to worry, but I haven't, what I haven't been terribly happy with is with my um, Foxtel IQ4 upgrade. Oh, really? Because the free-to-air channels aren't all in HD,
1: which is a bit annoying. Don't you have to pay extra? for HD, or that's what they used to do years and years ago. I've Uh got free-to-air channels in HD, but they're not at the front of the dial. You have to keep searching, keep going through all the channels to get the HD versions of them.
0: Well, that was on IQ3, but on IQ4 you lose those free-to-air
1: HD channels. I've got IQ4, but I'm in a regional them. setting, don't forget, and I'm getting- you satellite, though. I'm satellite, mm. and I'm getting uh, free to wear in, in HD. I have to investigate yeah. that.
0: And I don't get all the free to wear channels either. Like, they don't carry Gem. Wow. They don't carry uh, Nine Life.
1: They don't carry Seven Flicks, I don't think. Okay. But I've got Nine Gem on my Foxtel. Have you? Absolutely. Jen it must be there. different in regional. Yeah. Because
0: somebody at Foxtel told me it's because the free-to-air carriers won't pay the transmission fee. Ah. Which is apparently all it is is the purely the
1: cost of Foxtel taking that signal. The <laughs> thing that I'm thinking of doing is that they've just brought in their voice activation with Google Home and because I got a brand new uh, IQ4, right. it's ready to go voice activated. Wow. So uh, at some point I'll look into doing that with Google Home.
0: Yeah. Um, now there's another Mrs Maisel out. Now I'm, I'm a bit embarrassed to say I still haven't finished season two. Yeah. After we were both massive, we both came to it late. Yeah. But we both flipped over how good season one was and you followed it pretty closely since then. I've just been a bit remiss, mainly because I don't often go to Prime Video. Yeah. I'm not sure why, but it's just, it's always, it's not up mind all the time.
1: Uh, Season three of The Marvelous Mrs Maisel is the best thing I saw all summer. (laughs) You know, these incredible musical production numbers that they do. She's on the road now travelling with uh, a soul singer and uh, they just do these musical numbers that he does and... You know, just incredible. It looks like they've spent a shitload of money on it. Uh, and I was giving out Amazon Prime memberships to my family for Christmas. Wow. Because I think it's about $59 for the year. Okay. And so I went to a thing where you had to put in a $50 gift card and I said, this is my gift to you all, Amazon Prime and I'll tell you what to watch, <laughs> starting with The Marvelous Mrs. Maison. Wow. Well,
0: that's a very good gift. Yeah. So, okay, so I've got to get it sorted and, and get back on to that. Um, and in our last podcast, we had two last podcasts. We did a best of the year, then we did a bit of a preview for what might be coming in 2020. Now, I think I made some rash promises about what I would catch up with over the summer and I had a long list. I was going to bring it in. I couldn't even get it together to remember the list in. That's how bad I'm going on my catch-up binging. All I managed to get to was Killing Eve season two. Right. Wow, how good is that? I think I might have enjoyed it a bit more than season one. It's a slightly different show. There's There's probably a bit too much of the two protagonists together, but I really enjoyed it. I thought it was fantastic. And then um, Line of Duty, I got it. I'd only seen season one. Took me a long time to get through that. I've now seen th- two and three. Okay. Getting into four. Gee, that's such a good series.
1: Yeah, a lot of people rave about that. Yeah, but that is fantastic. Yeah, I've never gotten around to watching uh, Line of Duty, but right, yeah, yeah a yeah. lot of but there's a couple of seasons in particular that are standouts, right?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, they're all pretty good, and there's just there's they just so many episodes that something happens and you're just really jolted in your seat. You go, know, my Lord. <laughs> like the character's suddenly gone or new one's arrived or I didn't see that coming. Yeah. You know, which I'm looking forward to in The Stranger. Yes. I think there'll be
1: yes, uh, be some of that awaiting me, yeah. Oh, very intriguing, The Stranger.
0: Uh, let's just sort of wrap it up with a couple of things about what's happening now. The shows, I, I've tried to cram a bit in. I've seen a, a little bit of Survivor. Yep. A bit slow to start. I love the idea, though, of the All-Stars. Uh, one of the former winners got thrown out on the first night. I won't say who it is in case people haven't watched that, but um, so that was a good surprise. The um, My Kitchen Rules, I tried to watch a bit of that. It's the rivals. They've messed with the format a little bit. Got to say, I really didn't it was hard to watch. There were some mummy bloggers and I just
1: thought in that first episode, I thought,
0: oh, I'm sorry.
1: Look, you know, this, <laughs> this is what we're all looking at now, right? We all know that Maths is probably going to be yeah. the time slot winner. Mm. So I think everyone in the industry is looking at, okay, who comes number two? Will it be MKR as per last year or could it Australian Survivors sneak in? Well, if we judge it on last night, the first Monday of ratings, it didn't just come third. It came fourth in the slot behind the ABC. Half a million people now watching MKR, that's not good. Seven won't be happy.
0: No, and I think people seem to make their mind up in ratings. Once you get an average audience of three, maybe four episodes, yeah. nothing, it doesn't change much. No. There might be little bumps with some scandals that like we mentioned before, some, you know, controversies surrounding uh, different cast members, but I don't think it's going to do a lot better. And it throws a bit of a shadow then over what Seven's plans for that first half. They used to use that massive big MK audience through to House Rules. I know the format for House Rules is very different this year. Seven's big plus, of course, is the Olympics, which will come mid-year and really doesn't matter what they have on before it, that audience will sort of go straight to the Olympics uh, to see what's happening.
1: Well, we also know that, you know, their big push will be pooch perfect. Uh, If that doesn't do well for them... (laughs) They will be devastated. You know, you can see them now going, okay, here's another original. We're not going to do a dating show for you. We're going to do a show about dogs. Rebel Wilson, please watch it. <laughs> because they really need Pooch Perfect to work. Yeah, look. In so, terms of a new no, format.
0: Show about dogs. Look, I'm, I love my dog, and but I just don't really care about watching a show about dogs on TV. But. Well, I don't know how many people saw the Baftas, but I was told and no, I haven't got to watch. I recorded it. Rebel Wilson nearly stole the show. So
1: I heard. Yeah, so, so I heard. And I mean, isn't it just? But isn't this just the roll of the dice too? I mean, the way it worked out with Nine getting the tennis and the tennis giving them incredible ratings, which has led them so well into yep. promoting maps. It's just once you're on a roll, you're kind of on a roll. And the guy that used to be number one that slips behind just can't quite get back up there. That's kind of what I feel like is going on. And you know what? The other really disappointing thing that's come out in the past week about Seven is this revelation that Home and Away is filming two different versions of scenes with their gay character, the uh, lesbian doctor played by Zoe Ventura. And when the show screened in New Zealand, there were gay kisses And when they compared the footage to what it screened in Australia at a later time slot in a PG time slot, that kiss did not happen. We've now had confirmation from Channel 5 in the UK. And you know what? I would have believed it if Seven had said, we've got to make two different versions of this show because the UK in a pre-Watershed time slot needs something different. But Channel 5's come out and said, we will be showing the gay kiss at 5.30. So what's basically going on is, Okay for New Zealand, okay for the UK, but here in Seven, somebody has made the decision to film less intimacy between its gay characters and not to offend her, whatever and have two girls kissing at 7pm. I think it's disgraceful. They've got a poor record in this area and uh, blaming it on human error isn't good enough. Somebody's made a decision to do this and it's it sucks. Yeah, it's certainly not a good look, is it? Um
0: a couple of things I'm liking and uh, looking forward to. The ABC's running a real lot of promos for Stateless. Yeah. That, um, but it looks so good. Uh, amazing cast, Kate Blanchard is in there amongst the cast. Um, I think it's set in South Australia in a detention um, facility. Um, it just looks so good. And look, I'm. I like my railway shows. And there's sure there's too many of them at the moment but Michael Portillo yeah. is finally I know. going to air in Great Australian Railway Journeys and I'm just looking really looking forward to that on SBS.
1: Yeah, in fact it when it begins it's airing opposite Griff doing Australian Railway Journeys on the ABC which I think is a repeat.
0: Well, yeah, but it's I think it's on at 7:30 I think Griff's on oh, okay. at okay great. So you can so the train nuts have
1: got a double bill. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> no, look, I'll I'll watch that Michael Portillo show. I, I like some of these rail shows.
0: Yeah, yeah, nice good stuff. Anything you wanna finish up with you um, forward to anything? You've got anything on your Netflix calendar that you've um
1: no, it's I'm up to. I'm pretty much up. up to date. I just need to finish The Stranger. I'm yes. real close to finishing that and uh, then I'll dive into maths. I yes. didn't watch the first episode. I was pretty much glued to the ABC for Four Corners Media watching Hamish Mac- McDonald's outstanding debut on Q&A. Wow. Uh, it's going to be a very interesting year. Yeah, I think those uh,
0: Monday nights certainly look um, worth watching. Close to half a million people watching a Q&A. I think it's one of the biggest episodes I've ever had. I'm, yeah. I'm maybe back in the day, Tony Jones might have had some big ones, but I don't think I ever went much above that.
1: What are those people going to do that ran around all the time saying, the ABC's so biased, and you'd say, how's it biased? And they'd go, Tony Jones, the <laughs> host of Q&A. And I'd go, yeah, but that's one show. It's a speck in a giant organisation. But that was always the go-to excuse. Any person that says to you the ABC is biased would say, Tony Jones, what are they going to say now? Hamish was very uh, partisan last night, um, so they might have to find some new target. It's
0: interesting too that uh, Media Watch actually outrated both those shows. Yeah. So it was um, Four Corners and um, a Q&A before and after it, but uh, Media Watch the one that did over 600,000, got yeah. a really strong audience.
1: A pretty calm response from Andrew Bolt today too. <laughs> he just published that uh, Paul Barry was a religious maniac referring to climate change. Good on you, Andrew. So if you're following
0: that stash and you watch Media Watch, check uh, Andrew Bolt's blog, which is, uh, I think, published in the Herald Sun, but it's probably carried on most uh, News Corp sites. It's fairly interesting reading today. Andrew, look, great getting back with you uh, in the new year. We'll speak again soon.
1: You bet. Thank you, James.